Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Justin Grasso. And I'm Kevin McCormick. And this is a podcast dedicated to covering the Philadelphia 76ers on the Bleed Podcast Network. Kev, we finally got some action. It's the action-packed part of the offseason. Last week, I think it was Thursday, was the NBA draft. Monday, the free agency floodgates opened up. And me and you talked, I think it was right before free agency started. You know, we were going based off of, you know, all the rumors going around and everything. And I said that... This might be the most unpredictable offseason for the Sixers so far. And Daryl Morey has definitely made it interesting and definitely hard to predict what is going to happen with this team for next year. He's been extremely uncharacteristic. Even leading up to the draft, we jokingly brought up draft prospects, but we're both in the mindset that he wasn't going to make any picks and he was going to go back to the Daryl Morey of old that didn't really make first round pick selections and here we are again the second draft in a row in the Maury era with three new young prospects to come in and then even with free agency everyone was expecting him to join in on that like you said the floodgates opening up that's about the best way to put it right at six on Monday and you know just lateral moves bring back Korkmaz they signed Yang Drummond there's yet to be that big splash yet so it's been a very weird and uncharacteristic Daryl Maury in this offseason yeah not even with the draft that he used all the picks but they actually acquired a pick so yeah. when they get that pick they send i think it was two million to new orleans to get mm-hmm. the 53rd pick yep and here i'm 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 being told you know well they'll we'll probably move up or or get a veteran and then no they they make the pick yeah. and then the picks are just like they're random too like Jaden springer how many times how many times was Jaden springer linked to the sixers this offseason not much, or if any. I mean, we had a decent list of, you know, guys that you talked to during the combine that you knew had talks with the Sixers, and he was not on that radar. It wasn't even close, so it definitely was a little bit out of left field. Yeah, I mean, at least at least it's not one of those situations where they pick someone completely random that seems like a reach. Like, it's, it's somebody who a lot of draft analysts actually said yeah. that's a really good pick. Like, that's that's great value, 28th pick. I mean, he's young. He's only 18 um you know still has still has work to do but I mean we saw with Tyrese Maxey last year you know he comes out one season out of Kentucky slid down the board was supposed to be a lottery pick and then next thing you know Tyrese Maxey's you know putting up shots that some of the veterans wouldn't put up in the playoffs so I mean Maury proved that he's he's pretty good at drafting last year so we'll, we'll see how this class does yeah, I, mean, I think there's a lot to like in Jaden Springer. Uh, he fits the the defensive identity of the Sixers day one. The offensive game has to come along a little bit. Daryl Morey says he kind of sees him as a 3 and D type guy, but one guy that Springer himself brought up that he's been watching a lot of is Drew Holiday. And if he, he can become anything even close to a Drew Holiday type player through the years, I think that is incredible value taking him at 18 years old with the 28th pick this year. Definitely. And then there's there's uh, Philip Petrusev, who is not going to play for the Sixers next year. He'll be where's he at Serbia. Yeah, I, I think he was is. in Serbia this year. Yeah. So I think he he'll probably be back there again. And then there's Charles Bassey, who is a big that I think people are jumping the gun a little bit. And I, I get that this happens <laughs> in Philly often. 
But there were people legit mad about the Sixers signing a veteran backup center because they want Charles Bassey yeah. <laughs> to be Joel Embiid's backup. Listen, I don't know how many times people have to watch Doc Rivers coach, but a rookie second round pick is not going to be an MVP's backup center like it's just not gonna happen like come on what's crazier is after the Drummond signing and after the draft I still saw endless people on Twitter be like oh well the Sixers are gonna sign another center they need a stretch big hello people they just signed Drummond the team's best player is a center they drafted two in the second round how many do how many centers do you need like I get wanting to play big, but like, are we just going to throw small ball out the window and completely combat it with big ball where we start five centers? Yeah, they should just get Al Horford back. Why not? Bring back <laughs> Kylo Quinn was a great passer. He could play point guard in this all-center lineup that people <laughs> Kylo dream Kylo Quinn's passing was like Phenomenal. surprisingly Listen, like Bubble great. Kylo Quinn is like the greatest passing big man of all time, and I won't be told otherwise. The best is when Kyle Quinn would just come in and like pop out of three every yeah. now and then too. <laughs> like, dude, what? Where did this come? From? I think it was like the first game of the season. Yeah, against Boston, year. they couldn't. Hit, <laughs> yeah, they couldn't hit a three all night. Then Kyle Quinn comes in <laughs> and ends the drought. Oh man, Kyle Quinn. So yeah, I mean, it, on paper, decent draft for the Sixers. Absolutely. Still, you know, two of their prospects. I mean, Bassey will play for the Blue Coats most likely. Springer. Not on a two-way I, deal, I though. Know, That's what's yeah. interesting. It feels like it, yeah. it's going to be a similar Isaiah Joe situation where Charles Bassey is going to get, like, an NBA contract on day yeah. one. Yeah. Well, I mean, which could be great. That could yeah. be great value later on down the line. But moving on from the draft, because obviously much to talk about until we see them play in summer league, which is coming soon. So thank God there's a summer league this year. So we have some idea of what, what we're seeing from the Sixers when uh, those rookies get out there. But – Oh, yeah, by the way, with Summer League, too, uh, Tyrese Maxey will play in the Summer League for anyone can't, that was curious about that. Can't wait. Tyrese Maxey will be winning MVP of the Summer League is what you should have said. Maybe, probably. <laughs> like, Listen, he, he legit might tear up the We saw league. what he did in the playoffs as a rookie. You're telling me he's not going to go to Summer League and run circles around everyone? I can't wait. He should. You, bet, you better hope That lineup in general, Tyrese Maxey, Paul Reed, Isaiah Joe, uh, Henry, who they signed on a two-way deal after the – the draft. Yeah. I think the the Sixers summer league team is going to be you know pretty fun to watch. Summer league champs. I, listen, I'm for it. So the free agency floodgates opened up on Monday, and heading in, probably the biggest prospect was Kyle Lowry. Now Kyle Lowry is someone that was like linked to the Lakers. He was linked to the Sixers. And, you know, it seemed pretty much everybody wanted Kyle Lowry, but at a point it became clear that it's either Miami Heat, New Orleans Pelicans, or that's it. Really, that's all it was. Maybe Dallas. Maybe Dallas. Yeah, I feel like Dallas is just being thrown into everything yeah, at this point. Absolutely. Like it's like it's like they want Dallas to get these guys, but it's yeah. not actually gonna happen. So Kyle Lowry goes to the Miami Heat. That was fairly quick i believe that was within like the first half hour that came out by the way hilarious how quickly lonzo ball went to the chicago yep. <laughs> that is the fastest negotiated deal and of like of all time i think it was like 5 59 p.m lonzo ball was going to the bulls yeah it's crazy considering they can't start talking with these guys until <laughs> right on the dot at six on monday it's such nonsense but anyway going off that the sixers made their first move 
And again, when I talk about Daryl Morey and how unpredictable he's been, the Sixers brought Furkan Korkmaz back on a three-year deal. It was shocking. I, that was somebody I really didn't expect him to come back. I thought at his age and, you know, how shooting is at a premium in today's, you know, in today's game. We even saw it in free agency. A lot of, you know, above average shooters got some decent money. Duncan Robinson got $90 million from the Heat. I thought that a team was going to see Farrakhan Korkmaz, the way he grew, you know, him being a 40% guy, still being only 24 years old and having more than his feet wet in the league at this point. We're going to throw him a decent penny, and he was likely going to be on his way out the door. But he's back again. I mean, Doc Rivers was high on him all season, so I'm not totally shocked by it. But I will say I was very skeptical when that Woj, that Woj tweet came up on my phone. Yeah, I was definitely shocked. I mean, there was – that's the thing. Like when Ferk became a free agent a couple of years ago, there was like, remember he, he when kinda, he requested a trade and like he didn't want to be yeah. here anymore? <laughs> yeah. So, but like he looked solid for as young as he was. And it was one of those things where it's like, oh, people are pissed off because at that time they wanted the Sixers to, you know, pick up that option of his and bring him back. So it was kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, if he hits the market, he's gone. And then he's like going back to Turkey. And then next thing you know, he's back on the Sixers. And then again, heading into this offseason, he's a young guy. He's, 24. you know, he's got what, four years in the league, 24 yeah. years old. And like you said, he's a decent shooter. And that's what teams are looking for. He can come off the bench and, and give you some quality minutes, you know, shooting the ball. And then, like, there's just really nothing. Like, there was one rumor where maybe Cleveland was looking at him. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, like, again, he's back on the Sixers. So it's just. It's such a it's such a strange thing that no one really values Furkan Korkmaz. I know he's not, you know, he's not Kyle Korver or something out here. But like, I, I thought he would get more interest in free agency is what Absolutely. I'm saying. And like, while he might not be a, a Kyle Korver type of guy now, he could become that. I mean, we've seen multiple occasions where Furkan Korkmaz has gone berserk off the bench. Like the potential is certainly there. Yeah, granted, his his game has a ceiling and it's not like, He's going to become like this all-star level guy. But there is a reality where Furkan Korkmaz becomes a very sound, you know, just rotation guy on a good team. So I'm shocked that not only he's back, but I mean, five mil a year, that that's relatively cheap for a guy that already knows your system has been in-house for this long and is still approaching the prime years of his career. Yeah, definitely. I think just the thing with him is you want him to be a little bit better in the playoffs. But I think... It's it's like funny looking at last year's like playoffs and all the averages like <laughs> what is so everyone many to be better guys, in the playoffs? <laughs> too just too many people were in it like damn even if someone's not even like playing their best they could still get some time to kind of like you know get into a groove or something like when when shooters are like off they need to keep shooting right yeah to like get back on and it's just like doc was just like oh you missed a shot all right let's try the next guy forget it spin the roulette wheel of who's gonna play hero let's go 15 deep in the playoffs like let's let's get crazy and it's just like i don't know last year's playoffs was weird but that that's the only thing bringing ferk back is kind of concerning like from a Sixers standpoint is that he just in the playoffs is is very uh he he can disappear um but Moving off from that, the Sixers lost last year's backup center. Dwight Howard went back to the Lakers. I mean, anybody who actually thought Dwight Howard was coming back to Philly was very gullible. I get he was he was fun this year, but that guy, like I said to you, he never wanted to leave the Lakers. So the second that they even showed they might be interested in Dwight Howard, it was inevitable he was going back to L.A. 
Absolutely. I mean, we saw all the stuff that Dwight said and how much he loved Philly and he wanted to be here and which I'm not going to say that was a complete lie. I think he really did enjoy his time here, you know, with the fan base. I think this was an environment that his personality could thrive in and kind of become a fan favorite in a lesser role, but he never wanted to leave the Lakers. Everyone does everyone forget, you know, when he deleted that tweet five minutes before he signed with the Sixers that he was going back to LA. It's always been there. He wants to compete. I don't, I don't blame him for going back and wanting to re-team up with LeBron James, somebody that's going to go down as a top three guy of all time. I, I will say it's a bit of a, a rough blow. I think that his veteran leadership was something that will be missed moving forward. And while, you know, Andre Drummond might fill what he did on the court, I don't think he'll be able to replace what Dwight was able to do for this team behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I thought that there were two players that were absolutely critical to the Sixers last year because of what they needed. And I always say this, you need like, it doesn't even matter from an on court court production perspective. You need veteran leaders that have that championship experience. Obviously Dwight Howard was one of the people who brought that Danny green was the other. So they lost Dwight Howard and it seemed like they were going to lose Danny green. It, It kind of felt like towards the end there, there was really zero shot of Danny green coming back. Now last night, I think what it was like midnight. Yeah. Danny Green. Yeah. Typical Sixers. Daryl, can you like make a move at a normal stop playing tennis with Joel Embiid all day <laughs> yeah, and make some moves in the afternoon, please? Yeah. 12 30 so, p.m., not a.m., Daryl. Yeah. Midnight, the Sixers re signed Danny Green, two year deal. And obviously, all throughout last year, there's been mixed, mixed reviews on Danny Green. Some people hate him. Some people, realize the value that he brings to the team this is a great move for the Sixers it's really a no-brainer move because if you get rid of Danny Green what who's your who's your leader leading veteran Andre Drummond yeah Andre Drummond (laughs) Anthony Tolliver no but I completely agree I don't think the Sixers were in any position to lose Danny Green I was someone who supported him all season I thought that he was the unsung hero of the starting lineup pretty much all season And his value showed even more when he got injured during the playoffs. I think that Atlanta series goes very different if he's able to do more on the, on the floor and isn't, you know, stuck on the sidelines in a walking boot. So keeping him around for two more years, like you said, keeps that veteran leadership in there. When you have a core that's so young, you need guys who have been there before to help, you know, the superstars lead on the court. And, you know, which is great and all, but Joel Embiid doesn't, know how to win an NBA championship yet. And that's okay. That's why you go and get guys like Danny Green who can help him get there, who can help him grow into a leader so that when he's in his prime season, he's, you know, ready on and off the floor to lead a team. So to keep him here at, you know, a fairly reasonable price, $10 million a year, I think that, you know, he'll fulfill that contract and he'll live up to it. And even people are, there might be a chance that someone like Matisse Seibel jumps him in terms of like the starting lineup next year. And that's okay. Because, you know, for years down the line, I think Matisse Seibel and Furkan Korkmaz are going to talk about what Danny Green's time in Philadelphia did for them in their games and how it helped them blossom. Definitely. And I kind of go back to, uh, I don't remember what game, it was whatever game that Danny Green got hurt, the one after that heading into, what game was it? I want to say game four, maybe. Doc Rivers said, you know, he's the type of guy that he doesn't get panicked. Mm-hmm. But he admitted his other players will get panicked. But Danny Green's the type to calm everybody down. Ever since Danny Green left, 
the Sixers have been atrocious when things are going wrong. They guys are losing their temper, losing composure. They just like, they look like deer in the headlights. Like they're frightened. So do you really want to go into next season without that guy? Who's that calming presence? Not at all. And not to mention even outside of the veteran stuff, he was such a great fit in that starting lineup. I mean, he shot over 40% from three on a career high attempts per game. I mean, not only from the veteran leadership was he valuable, but on the floor as well. I mean, he was lights out from the corner. He was somebody that Joel and Ben could dish out to and be a reliable knockdown shooter and helped with the spacing issues that plagued them the year prior. So I, I really mean it when I say that the Sixers were in no position to lose Danny Green in free agency. Yeah. And Obviously, they lost another veteran. In addition to Dwight Howard, they lost uh, George Hill. But they got rid of George Hill, which to me was a bit of a head-scratcher the way they got rid of him. I didn't expect George Hill to playing be playing for the Sixers next year, but I definitely thought they'd hold on to him, kind of keep his salary on the books, try to find a trade where, <clears throat> what was it, $10 million, I think? Yeah. That $10, mil- 10 million could help you land something else, but – they waived George Hill, and now George Hill is expected to join the Bucks. So, I mean, were you surprised when when you saw that happen? I was a little shocked. I thought even if they had no intention of – I was in the same boat with you. If they had no intention of keeping him here, you could use that salary and help match to bring in somebody that fits you a little more. But, you know, maybe they wanted to clear it to help, you know, situate – you know, create the the cap space to bring in a Danny Green to maybe make uh, – to give Furkan – a little more money and it's just the you know washing your hands of it I think in hindsight you can say now that that trade kind of flopped I mean George Hill did not live up to the expectation of what he was expected to be when he got here you know coming here injured might play a role in that but it just kind of is what it is so it feels like Daryl was just kind of washing his hands of that whole situation yeah and I also want to mention that that was the right trade at the time oh absolutely <laughs> just because yeah. there's a lot of talk oh, of, yeah. we lost Tony Bradley yeah. no come on so you told me we <laughs> traded Tony Bradley just to wave George Hill it was the right move 10 times out of 10 it just literally something sometimes it just doesn't work out it, it is what it is you got to just kind of roll with the punches yeah it, it was definitely the right move and then the Sixers made two signings two other signings uh Andre Drummond who again unpredictable offseason. Yes. This is Joel Embiid's like arch nemesis for how many years? <laughs> and then Andre Drummond comes in and now he's his back. Like, it's just such a weird, like, man, what was that conversation like with Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid? Uh, I would love to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation. I was talking to somebody earlier and I was saying, imagine three years ago saying that Andre Drummond was going to be Joel Embiid's backup one day. Like people would think you're insane, but listen, here on a vet minimum, I think it has the similar potential of Dwight Howard to just completely outplay that contract. He's, he's only 27 years old. And in terms of, you know, load managing and bead, I think Drummond really will help make that a little easier because he could still be a starting center in the NBA. He could have gone somewhere else, could have made more money, could have gotten a bigger role, but wanted to be here. And I think that, you know, that'll play a factor in helping Embiid get through the regular season and be, at his peak into the postseason, which, as we know, continues to be the number one objective of every season. Right. And we just got off a Zoom call with with Andre Drummond. 
uh all audios <laughs> all audio issues aside on that he cleared up his uh his issues with Embiid said you know it's just basketball we're just trash talking we have we have no real you know actual beef i don't know how joel fa- feels about that <laughs> it might might yeah, be a little bit different from his perspective the video they posted on twitter <laughs> might say otherwise so funny yeah because like his face is just like really? he had that face like welcome to the team but like that i used to bust your ass yeah <laughs> I and I can't wait to destroy you in practice. <laughs> yeah, because like we all we all know Joel still talks smack in practice. Uh, Tony absolutely. Bradley said that last year, so it definitely was funny. Like the facial expression was hilarious. But so that that's what they talk. And um, so the fit again is one of those things where everyone's saying they want they want to stretch a stretch five to back up Joel. Listen, I don't I don't know how like the stretch fives grow on trees and i'm just not aware of it apparently like i don't i don't i don't get it like there's only so many centers in the league that are charles bassey like, charles bassey yeah. shoots the three he's gonna be the answer yes yeah, that's drew hanlon's boy yeah don't do not sleep on it he doubled his three-point percentage from years two and three in college <laughs> don't he is the answer just gotta give it time petrusive's uh, got better. Petrusev, too. yeah, yeah, Petrusev, absolutely. Whatever. Listen, is that how you, you say it, Petrusev? I think I'm so. Saying it wrong. All right, I gotta go look with, it up. Go with what you feel, man. Go with what you feel. Petrusev for now until he corrects us. Until further notice. Yeah. But listen, I mean, it's clear that they're aware that they need it because they addressed it in the draft. And I think when you have someone who can come in and play to the caliber of Andre Drummond and he'll come on a veteran's minimum. I think you kind of just take it and figure it out as you go along. At least that's how I see it. Yeah, or maybe Andre Drummond's just going to start launching threes next year. Who knows? I mean, Dwight, Dwight Howard. Did yeah, Dwight, <laughs> Dwight, why not? Dwight was fearless from uh, from three yeah. points last year. I don't know. I feel like if, if Doc tells him it's all right, that he will he'll take that green light here and there. <laughs> so the Drummond signing came with, obviously, mixed reviews. Um, now the George Niang signing was, I think it was kind of a who type deal for a lot of people. And then you kind of look them up and then it's like, okay, that's actually a decent signing. That's very good. You got, he's a 40% career shooter. Um, I guess basically you're Mike Scott replacement. Absolutely. And will be a drastic upgrade to Mike Scott because when you swing it to him on the outside, he will shoot it and he will make it. So listen, I think that'll be an upside Doc talked a lot about um, during his end of the year press conference of he felt the lineup got small when Tobias came off the floor. I, I believe Niang's around that that six seven six eight range. So I think he'll be able to slide in and correct that issue if Doc really feels like that's something of need. And like you said, this is a guy who shot over forty percent past three seasons. Pretty much all his, his shooting is done off the catch. I think last year he shot close to forty four percent from three off the catch. So he'll help alleviate those spacing issues as well. And listen. With guys like Joel Embiid and potentially Ben Simmons running the show, you need as much shooting as you can get. And if you can bring in a guy like that on a cheap deal, I, I think it's an, an AA-plus signing. Yeah, and you you bring up Ben Simmons, who we, – we haven't talked Ben Simmons rumors in a while. Look, they died down for a little bit. Dude's spending too much time in the pool. <laughs> draft night. Draft yeah. night got everybody freaking out. Listen, say what you want about Ben Simmons, but he is just a master at pushing buttons. Not only did he do, you know, the whole pool situation on draft night, but if you tuned into his Instagram the next day when he was wrapping up at the gym, 
he posted a video with his trainer saying, oh, guys, it's time to go hop in the pool now, right? Like, you can tell he loves to, like, just ruffle. He's a 25-year-old. Like, it's a 20 – that is just something a 25-year-old would do to ruffle feathers if he knows it's going to bother people. Yeah, he went on, like, a, well, like a two-, three-week social media hiatus and then came back yeah. with some heat. Which is good. He's, he's been going at people, too. Like, he's been, like, clicking yeah. on their profile, like, coming <laughs> at their image and stuff. Like, Jesus. Maybe, maybe Ben Simmons is finally awoken. He's embracing the Joel Embiid nature of social media, and he's just clowning people. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not buying any stock into Ben Simmons changing. And we've anything. seen workout videos. I know you saw the workout video of him shooting. Of course, I saw the workout. I've seen the workout videos for the past how many years now? Maybe this is the year. Yeah, we've been saying that. <laughs> I hope Portland saw it and they like what they saw. <laughs> Or some other third team that wants to get involved. Yeah. So let, let's let's get down let's get down to business. The Sixers hire Phil Beckner as a coaching consultant yesterday. Obviously, right away when that when that hiring is announced, um, it becomes very clear who he is and who he works with directly, and that is Damian Lillard. Is that not? it's almost like, do you see that as a sign? Maybe something's happening here. Or is that just a desperate attempt to be like, listen, Dame, we got one of your guys here. Maybe you will push your way out of Portland. No, I think it's mere coincidence that he just happens to be <laughs> so tight with Damian Lillard, a superstar player that might become available in the coming weeks. It's just, maybe they really liked what he did. He, he's a great player development coach. Maybe they want to pair him up with Tyrese Maxey. I don't think it has anything at all to do with Damian Lillard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to see. We'll find out. But listen, um, Bradley Beal wanted Sam Cassell to be his head coach. Sam Cassell is still in Philly. Daryl Morey just went and hired Damian Lillard's trainer to be a quote-unquote coaching consultant, which means he's going to be around but have no set title. But just to say he's here, hey, Damian Lillard, if you want out, we got your guy here. Daryl Morey is playing chess while the rest of the league is playing Go Fish. They're basically holding Phil Beckner as hostage. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> Dame, you yeah. want your guy back. Yeah, you Dame. have to come work with him in Camden, Dame. New Jersey. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's great. It's a great move, solid Listen, move. I mean, then they try to do the same thing with Kevin Durant a, a while back. Uh, then they hire his trainer from know. Texas. Maybe I forgot. <laughs> Maybe. I'd, have look, I'd have to look into. It. I think they tried to do something like this with Kevin Durant a while back as well. Yeah, that didn't work out. It, it did not. Not, <laughs> not at all. Was it? But was that when Kevin Durant was a free agent? I forget. I think this was. I think it was leading into when the off season when he decided to sign with Golden State. Okay. So yeah, so he had a choice. It's a little bit different than like here's kind of like you still need Dame to yeah. request a trade. You still need the Exactly. Blazers you need to Dame to say that. that he wants to come here. Right. Like you said, it's not a free agency thing. It's he wants he's going to ask out and he's going to make a short list of teams that he wants to go to and Daryl Morey is doing his best to put the Philadelphia 76ers at the top of said list. Yeah, why we talk about that and I I said this before. I'm just going to say it again cuz I'm tired of seeing all these hypothetical uh i guess trade trade asks from the sixers like they're ridiculous it's like five young players <laughs> five first round picks all that i love it to be these honest. are because it's it's playing around it's, it's daryl morey saying oh you want ben simmons sure yeah give me every single player that you value give me 
your first round picks for the next five years. And then, yeah, you can have Ben Simmons. Sure. Because he doesn't actually care. He doesn't want what golden state is offering with mm-hmm. the Andrew Wiggins and the, the Wiseman and you know, the first round picks. He wants one guy. It is Damian Lillard. If not Damian Lillard, then he wants Bradley Beal. All these other teams that are going out there. This is Daryl Morey saying, yes, Ben Simmons is available. No, he's not coming cheap. And I don't care about what you have. I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to make it seem like uh, you got to give us all this because any team that's going to pull the trigger on that, like, yeah, you'll take it because it's just so much in one thing. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want actually want that. That's not what he's gunning for. Yeah, I feel like part of it might be a slight jab at the the underwhelming offers he's received so far as well. Like, oh, you want to offer me Marvin Bagley as part of a package Marvin, for Benson? Yeah. Marvin Guess Bagley what? and uh, Buddy Heald. Yeah, how about instead of that, you give me, you know, 5% stake in your franchise along with your next seven round picks? Like, I don't know. I, I am getting a kick out of it, but I agree. It feels like he he's waiting around. He He's always been known to make the big play. He's waiting for the big fish to come available, and that's when he's really going to strike. Yeah, and everyone's frustrated on draft night, which, again, I laugh at because everyone's like, does Ben Simmons get traded tonight? Ben yeah. Simmons better be traded tonight. Listen, if Ben Simmons got traded on draft night, whatever he got traded for, no one's going to be happy with the return. Yeah, Ben, <laughs> ben Simmons was never getting traded on draft night. Um, never. Never getting traded on draft night, and he wasn't getting traded this week. Because, again, at the end of the day, there's one person that Maury's gunning for. He's currently in Tokyo. He said, I'm not worried about what happens with Portland and my future in the NBA until these Olympics are over. So as long as Damian Lillard's in Tokyo playing with Team USA, you do not want Ben Simmons traded. Not to mention when Portland's back's against the wall and they need to build this strong supporting cast around Damian Lillard, all they did was – yeah. Resigned Norman Powell. Uh, they signed Cody Zeller, and I believe they signed Tony Snell as it was well. Tony Snell, yeah. So I feel like it, things are really going to start to ramp up once he's back from the Olympics because that is not a competitive supporting kit, especially looking at, at what the Lakers just did. Damian Lillard had to have been strong through his feet and is like, I'm gone once I get back. Literally. So patience, people, patience. I believe trust the process were the words people use for a while. Yeah, I, I don't. I thought, know. I thought that was still getting used around here. I guess not. Uh, I don't know. I thought that that word was was banned now. I don't. I don't think we're allowed to use it anymore. <laughs> Listen, I get. I get. People want Simmons off the team. It's gonna happen. Like, Good things take time. Literally, it's gonna happen. It's inevitable. Apparently, Ben's not talking to the Sixers again. That was a report that just came out today. Is it true? I don't really know. I don't really care because at the end of the day. <laughs> he's getting moved like everybody knows it it's just the Sixers are waiting for that situation in Portland to blow up there's been consistent reports that that's going to happen really when Dame gets back it'll happen eventually especially now like you just said what they just did in in free agency there's nothing going on in in Portland that's like man they're gonna win in the west next year they need to start moving on from that from the star get some young assets Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibault, whatever, whatever they need. Ben Simmons, get it, and then give Dame Lillard to the Sixers and then let, let Dame Lillard free. Let him try to gun for a championship in the East. Because I'm telling you right now, the Eastern Conference had a hell of a week. Yeah. The did. Sixers, they, they had a decent offseason, but other teams had much better offseasons this past week. 
Yeah, I think the the middle class of the Eastern Conference definitely got a lot better. And I think it's going to be, you know, super competitive, both at, at pretty much all the way down. I, I was trying to, you know, run through teams a couple nights ago of who I would predict as the eight playoff teams in the East. And listen, it, it's going to be a strong battle between the, the top heavy teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee, not to mention Brooklyn got even better. They picked right. up Patty Mills. I I think I that was when I fully accepted defeat in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> you we talked about it all the time. I think yeah. I texted you, please just give me Patty Mills at least five times. And he went to Brooklyn. So I was just completely devastated. Uh Milwaukee, their core is relatively the same. You talked about Miami earlier. Not only did they get Kyle Lowry, but they got PJ Tucker as well, who's fresh off the title. So I think they're gonna be interesting. Chicago. A team that wasn't in the playoffs before is sure going to be gunning for a spot now. So, yeah, the East definitely did get better. And while the Sixers are still – should be viewed near the top, their their lateral moves don't necessarily, you know, cut it in terms of jumping anybody yet. Yeah, and I mean, so I, I think Chicago personally had one of the best off seasons because obviously they had Lonzo Ball, who no doubt. is much better than people try to portray him as. And then DeMar DeRozan's obviously DeMar DeRozan. He's good. The only thing that's lacking in Chicago that doesn't make me think that they're championship contenders is because uh, playoff inexperience. They yeah. don't really have it. I mean, DeRozan has it, but he doesn't have championship experience. He, mm-hmm. They struggled with him in Toronto when he was making it to the playoffs. So LeBron was also at his peak, so I don't know. You know, true, yeah. <laughs> Take that but with a grain of salt. Chicago will be good. They'll be in the playoffs yeah, next year, absolutely. barring injuries, obviously. They'll be there then, for a spot. Yeah, and then but Miami again, like you mentioned, I mean they pushed all in to put yeah, it simply. They did. And I mean they made it clear they were going to. They said mm-hmm. any any star, and that includes Ben Simmons, who I thought there was zero shot of him going there, but they did their due diligence. I say it all the time. Good GMs do their due diligence. That's it. It doesn't even it doesn't even matter if someone's on the block and they're good, you just reach out, see what it is. Cause who knows? You could get them for a steal. Absolutely. And it's a no-brainer move. So, obviously, I didn't think Ben Simmons was going to go to Miami. But Miami made it clear they're gunning for big names. And when P.J. Tucker signed there was very shocking because it seemed like inevitable he was going back to Milwaukee. Yeah, I think so. And people may not look that as, like, a flashy move. And it's not in the sense, but it's one of those – He's the type of guy that helps, you know, turn a good team into a great team. And when you pair him with Jimmy Butler, with Kyle Lowry, this group that is, you know, only two years removed from being in the finals, whether you think it was a fluke or not, they still got there. So, I mean, that that definitely does play a factor. And they are going to be a team that is going to be gunning hard for a top spot in the East. Yeah, I mean, it was a fluke, but (laughs) (laughs) it was a fluke. But listen, Miami's going to be good next year. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so... Just looking at all those moves, and you wrote about it, the, the East is is stacked up, and I mean the Sixers, they need they need to make something big. I mean they're they're a good team, still solid, but they need. I mean obviously Ben Simmons isn't going to be here, so I I anticipate them adding another star. I believe if they add one, it'll pretty much have to be Dill, uh, Dillard Lillard. <laughs> sorry, I've been I've been paying attention to the Eagles lately too, and all I get is Andre Dillard is just getting killed in the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> but Dame Lillard, the Sixers need to add Dame Lillard, and I think I mean that's just their best bet to compete this yeah. year because the the East is not getting any easier. 
Yeah, I mean, you said it from the start of the offseason that it's Dame Lillard or bust, and it's even more apparent now seeing the way Miami stacked up. You still have Brooklyn, you still have Milwaukee, and you're still going to have those those young, spunky teams, the Chicago's, the Knicks, the Hawks, who are fresh off being in the conference finals. You know, they're not just going to – they're not going away anytime soon. They're still going to be here, still getting better, still getting older, more mature. So I agree that the path to the finals, you know, in the past may have been viewed, you know, easier – in the Eastern Conference, but I don't think that's going to be the case for the next three to four years. So while the Sixers, you know, are in a good position now, they still have work to be done if they want to eventually make it to the NBA Finals. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's there's still there's still time with signing free agents. I don't really know what what more is out there for them, but I mean, they can still work other trades too. There's other areas, you know. I I don't know who's really a trade candidate at this point. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, there, there's there's plenty of time. But you know, as as we said uh, before, this is an unpredictable off season, and really anything can happen for the Sixers. But if it does happen, we'll be back here covering it. And um, Kev, drop your Twitter handle. Kevin MCC NBA. Mine's at jgrasso underscore. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.